0: One, two, ten. Yeah.
1: You're listening to the Claim the Throne broadcast, coming on you with insights into what it's really like to be in a do-it-yourself metal band 2015. Who is it? Eh, uh, yeah, you're listening to the Claim the Throne broadcast <laughs> on Claim the Throne FM. Thanks for tuning in. It's been a few weeks, but we are back and we've got some shit to talk about. I'm Cabba and I'm here with Ash. How are you going today, mate? I'm Ash, and I'm here with Cabba. How are you going today, mate? <laughs> Pretty good, and I'm here with Ash. How are you going today, mate? Pretty good, mate. Got cider good. there, eh? Yeah, you're just uh, yeah, off the booze at the moment from uh, all the drinking <laughs> we've done the last few weeks, but apparently cider is an alcohol, so we'll true, see yeah. what happens over the next couple of hours. Um, give these people their pear. <laughs> <laughs> give these people pear. Let's start off with uh, the Claim the Throne podcast review of the week and uh, the, the latest review we have from Sally Ridge really great information on running any kind of small business but more importantly I'll listen to this podcast in my headphones at work instead because it feels like I'm hanging out with some great people instead of being at work highly recommended thanks Sally Ridge and all of you other suckers you should also leave a review for us by searching claim through in your podcast app and writing down what you think today dot com beauty
0: so what's been going on
1: We've uh, recently had our 10-year anniversary mm. tour, which hit Japan and the east coast of Australia, so we've been pretty busy for the last few weeks, hence no podge, but we'll give you guys the the lowdown of what happened. It's been a very fun time, uh, lots of drinking, lots of eating, lots mm. of playing gigs, lots of meeting crazy people.
0: Yeah, so we went to Japan a couple of weeks ago, <coughs> it was our second time to Japan, and we played three shows, Osaka, Nagoya, and Tokyo. And with the Ethereal Sin, also Mercenary from Denmark and Dark Lunacy from Porco Madonna, Italy. (laughs) And yeah, of course, Ethereal Sin are from Japan. Pretty cool. Some pretty interesting venues, a bunch of travels, some interesting Acom, strange people, some of the biggest metal freaks I've ever seen. (laughs) And yeah, what are your thoughts on the tour, Cabs? Had a wicked time, so we'll just run through a bit of uh, day-to-day,
1: uh, just close your eyes and picture yourself hopping on the plane with five stallions from Perth who play in our band. Uh, we got on the plane, it was very late at night, 3am, 4am or something, leaving here. Um, <laughs> Utterly me,
0: <meigs. laughs> Getting really maggot,
1: probably tour tip number one, don't get that drunk before going to the airport. Oh, that was Actually, I had to drive, so I I'd sort of eased it down, but... Um, you were pretty drunk when I rocked up to your house and then went to sleep on the lounge room floor in front of the TV where Jim was playing YouTube really loud, yeah, um, watching cosmic psychos or something mm. um, but anyway, yeah, we hit hit <laughs> the road, somehow made our flight, uh, got to Kuala Lumpur, we had a twelve hour stop over there, um which was kind of cool, broke it up a bit and uh, we got there in the morning, so apart from dirty ass Malaysia airport, we got to hang out with our mate Leon of dissectomy and non servium fame and um yeah, just hit the pub in the city for a few hours. Proceeded to drink more.
0: That was pretty cool. Yeah. The uh, what do we have? A few Long Islands. They were good. Mm. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, and then some fucking crazy ass curries with um, I don't know, kneecaps in them and stuff <laughs> for dinner. Pretty interesting. That was cool. Back to the airport on the plane. Bloody Air Asia cattle class, mate. Mm. All the way to <coughs> Japan. So, 24 hours of of travel time all up was pretty ruthless. Uh, We were met at the airport by one Yamadak Blaze, got driven into the city of Osaka, and yeah, proceeded to eat takoyaki octopus balls for the fucking You know, when we
1: first got to Osaka, we went to that uh, Slayer Curry restaurant.
0: Was that as as we got there?
1: Yeah, I think so. The first day because no, we why? had the first day off, which was awesome because we were wrecked from all that travel. And oh, then I uh, yeah. played the second night. So the first night would I think it was the first day, yeah. Yeah, it was. <laughs> Shit. And then met up with the other bands at night time for one of those all you can eat places that they do in Japan, where it's like twenty or thirty bucks, and um, for for however many hours, three hours say, and you get all you can eat food, like they just sort of keep bringing it out as you ask for it, whatever you want, and uh, as much beer and shit as you want, which is awesome.
0: Yeah, I started after like a hectic, hectic 24 hours of boozing. I was like, oh, I don't think I can do beer at the moment. I'll just grab a whiskey. Oh, how you want the whiskey? Uh, Just, just neat, thanks. <laughs> Guy brings over half a glass of like whiskey, nicker whiskey, which would in Australia cost... Per thirty mils, like twenty bucks or something like that, just got it for free. <laughs> and it was probably like five shots worth,
1: included in the in the all you can eat price. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really? It was it
0: was unbelievable, dude. Shit. And then they were busting out like really quality sake, which was fucking yeah. awesome. And yeah, of course, lots of Sapporo and Asahi. Yeah, really wicked food and drinks. Nice one. We gave him a few of the old Arigato Gisimases. Yeah, in Australia we say chicken (laughs) karaji.
1: Yeah, so we did a lot of things in Aussie accents and confused a lot of people. Probably embarrassed our
0: country. Yep, and ourselves.
1: Anyway, but nonetheless, uh, we also met. um, Yeah, met the other bands that night. It was funny for me meeting Dark Lunacy from Italy. Being a wog myself, Uh, yeah, they seemed to notice that pretty quickly somehow. But um it They turns told out, me that yeah. they
0: picked it. When we saw this man, we <laughs> knew. We just knew that he was one of us. Weird. <laughs> Freaks. But no, they actually well, their drummer at
1: least comes from the same town where my dad originates from, so clicked pretty quickly. They were teaching us lots of uh Italian swear words, which is awesome. Like Porco Madonna, which is
0: the mother of God, and she is a pig. Yeah. And the extended version is you're right. Jesus is a pig. <laughs> and let's chuck
1: some audio in this bit of, uh, of the old mate bass player from uh, Dark Lunacy, explaining a translation of uh, something he was trying to teach us. <laughs> La sporra che mi corra
0: dalle palle. Oh, yeah. The some. cum tearing from my balls. Of course you can add mother of God. I right, say that. Um, the mother of God is licking the cum tearing from my balls. <laughs>
1: Beautiful language there from the Italians. And the other one they were getting me to say is this Go to a drama over there and say, Succhia il mio cazzo buzzana. Okay, what does that mean? It means, <coughs> Suck my cock, you bitch. <laughs> Righto, cunt. Yeah. Pretty good. funny. So good guys. And uh, yeah, that got us all revved up for the first gig the next day in Osaka, which was a good day of eating octopus balls and black burgers from uh,
0: Burger King. I do believe I had 30 octopus balls. Oh, yeah. Not actually testicles. Everyone thinks we're like, do octopuses really have balls? Really have balls? <laughs> and I say, it's octopi, mate. <laughs> it's octopide. <coughs> octopide. Uh,
1: also in Osaka, in the day we walked past that place that was the real sexual harassment <laughs> office, <laughs> where apparently you can go in. And it's probably set up like an office with girls sitting around and you can sexually harass them. And that's what you pay to do when you go in there so that you don't do it when you go out to
0: work. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, pretty crazy place. Hard to describe Japan if you've never been. Oh, that pinball place? Yeah, that was awesome. That was a whole floor of pinball machines from the 80s, well, probably 70s, 80s and 90s. Like everything from, um, that just rigeling over here. Um, Everything from like, Lethal Weapon, 1, 2, and 3. Um, Terminator, the original bloody um, Tales from the Crypt. Just any... South I can't even Park think... And Simpsons and all that. Yeah, so, just any yeah. pinball machine you've ever seen I'm or so heard shit of. I'm so
1: it. I would put, like, some yen in and be out straight away without even hitting it. Yeah. And Ash just sitting there playing one machine on, like, one yen for about three hours.
0: Yeah, I did... After a while, I was so good at it, I did get sick of it. <laughs> but, um... Anyway, that was pretty sweet. Oh, yeah. Anyway, we did, <coughs> did
1: play a gig that night, and it was good. There was some fucking crazy people at that show. Uh, Who Some had it come as far as Hiroshima, which is apparently far, on a train to see us. And so afterwards, getting photos and whatnot with people, they're just going off their fucking trolleys to get pictures and signatures and shit. So it's a crazy place, way different um culture and vibes. I'm sure we've chatted about before. Um, but, yeah, as you're on stage, people are pretty quiet and stuff or they'll they'll do whatever you told them, you know, put your hands in the air or stuff, they'll do it. But then after the after you finish the song they just sort of stand there quiet and polite and waiting to hear what you say and not talking to the person next to them and just behaving themselves generally.
0: Pretty humorous. Mm. And meanwhile they're absolutely loving it. Oh you fucking You dirty cow. Yeah. Can you fucking <laughs> Yeah, just a bit No, no, leave it where it was, oh. but just aim it. Just aim the capsule Sorry, more at your mouth. Told off by Ash for my uh, audio um, Anyway, so those guys are pretty cool, and it's funny because when you are on stage and they are pretty quiet, it is odd being the drummer down the back. And usually, you get a little bit of razzle and rousing from the audience. It doesn't feel like you're alone, but fuck, it's very eerily <laughs> quiet sitting back there in that environment. But after the show. They all come up to you, you signing autographs. They're so appreciative of you actually being there. You know, I guess coming all that way and stuff. It's it's pretty cool. And um, they seem to know things about the band's history and stuff. They'll say, you know, that's
1: the new drummer who, and they know exactly what album he started on, or I don't know the songs he played. They know what albums they're from and lyrics and stuff. It's pretty cool considering they don't speak a whole lot of English, especially as well. Um, and it's weird as a quote unquote front man to talk to them between songs just having to well from something I learned last time we were over there apparently I spoke way too fast and they couldn't understand a single word I was saying this time made a bit of an effort to learn a little bit of Japanese to to uh, soften them up and then just talk a bit slower still be vulgar as all fuck but um, (laughs) but just slow it down a bit and possibly more vulgar because (laughs) they don't understand what you're saying (laughs) Uh, humorous anyway. So that was a cool night and, um, yeah, next day, what did we do? Hopped Nagoya. on a, a bus or some shit in the mm. morning, got picked up bright and fucking early, way too early. Got to Nagoya real early and it was hot as fuck that day as yeah, well. it was, dude. Real scorching and, um, we had a, f- a pretty much full day there. The venue was really fucking hot and right in the middle of the red light district pretty much. So it was a bit seedy. Nothing was open all day. Apparently nothing opens till about 10 p.m.
0: Yeah, pretty crazy. <clears throat> um, tour tip number four: why, and number five: always check the weather. I didn't, and brought I think <laughs> two pairs of jeans and three jumpers, mm. none of which I wore once, pretty much. And yeah, had limited amounts of shorts and and t-shirts. Mm. Yeah, pretty much wore the same clothes for a week because it was boiling its ass off over there. Yeah, nothing worse than having to carry around extra shit, especially if you
1: don't even use it. Mm. Which reminds me of tour tip number why. This trip was the first time my hand luggage has ever been weighed and it happened on the way out and on the way back. And all that I take is one guitar and one hand luggage, which has my Kemper in it and a little bit of clothes. And my hand luggage was apparently weighing 15 kilograms, which was eight kilos over what you're allowed. And they were saying, well, it costs $40 per kilo extra that you're over. I was like, well, I can't afford that. And I can't really take anything out. And they're like, Well, can you put some in your backpack? I go, This is my backpack. That's all I've got. There's nothing in there. So then I like sort of took my laptop out and took my little pillow thing out and a couple of things and just sort of fumbled my way through and they let us let us off. But something to be wary of. Maybe the airports are picking up on that shit
0: these days. I don't know. Mm. Annoying. Yeah, real annoying. And they may not have weighed it if the appearance of the bag didn't suggest that it would be overweight. Well, the dimensions of it are fine;
1: it's it just fits in because I've tried it that many times, and I bought it based on it being the exact maximum dimensions of a hand luggage that you can take. Um, but it still must look a bit big, I guess, and a bit bulky, especially if you got extra shit in there. But yeah, yeah I think I think
0: two a, a tip number one yeah. is that they usually allow you to have two bags, like a backpack and a and a handbag, I guess. And for me, I use a pedal case. And I've got to say, it feels a lot heavier than it really is. Um, it's, it's, a little, it's a little bit smaller. I don't know if anyone knows what a pedal case is, but it looks smaller than Cabba's carry-on case. smaller than Cabba's cashew cock. <laughs> <laughs> but it's full of metal and a drum module that, again, Nada. I didn't use on either tour pretty much. And yeah, I did weigh it and it was seven kilos on the dot, which is pretty good. But I'm also wearing a backpack at the same time. And because Mm. that thing's slung behind me, no one's really taking notice of it. They're sort of more looking at what's in my hand or if I was carrying a bag uh, with wheels trailing along the ground. So yeah, like if you can, it's hard with the Kemper because they're a bit bigger. But if you can like maybe stick your clothes and your lappy in a little tiny ass little backpack on your Mm. back and then have a small handheld device might not care so much
1: well actually what we did this time was the old sneaky where i actually had booked my flight separate to everyone else for some retarded reason but so the four four the rest of you guys four of yous, checked in and i looked after their hand luggage and extra shit so that the people wouldn't see it and then i went through myself separately mm, mm. so maybe if i was with everyone else they couldn't be bothered to weigh all the hand luggages yeah um and I guess that would help as well. If you, while you're checking in, if you've got other people to stand at the back and hold your hand luggage, so they don't really look at it.
0: And, and realistically, we should have had your hand luggage with us. We should have done probably. Yeah, I don't know. But Whatever. at that time of the morning and that amount of liquor, Jesus. <laughs> Surprised we got on the plane. So
1: anyway, we did play a gig in Nagoya as well, which was pretty sick. It was uh, only a small sort of venue, but it was jam-packed and wicked vibe. And actually, as far as all the Japan shows we've played, I would say that was actually a bit of action shit going on, like people making noise and yelling and Mm. it was kind of cool. And we even bumped into some Aussies there that had moved to Japan Yeah, and they sort of said g'day and that was really cool. Um,
0: Interesting too, because... I think that's the best I've played in Japan mm. and it's possibly due to there being like quite a good vibe because yeah, sometimes you've got to feed a little bit off something and uh, yeah, that one just happened to work out. Yeah. To, to an, tip number 58 for drummers, <laughs> I usually play a, uh, I don't know how many piece, three rack toms and a floor tom, right? Recently... After all these years, finally I've gone, I never get the kind of kit that I want when I'm on tour. It's very rare. So I cut down my kit. I was only playing a four-piece, so playing kick, snare, one rack tom and a floor tom. And at times I was actually not even (coughs) using a rack tom and only like one cymbal riding hats just to kind of like put myself under pressure to not let the band notice that I was using fuck all drums and getting away with it so then i could improvise Mm. and be comfortable playing on less on tour because on the first night i'd accessed i'd been jamming most recently on a five piece and i was given a five piece but because of the positioning of it um it was actually quite awkward so every every asian um venue has a like a house kit and they're pretty much all the same setup so then you've got two rack toms mounted out of the bass drum. So triggers are possibly a no-no unless you use Axis E kits, which I think are shit and fuck them. Um, so yeah, I don't even bother triggering. So I forget about that and don't even worry about it. Just try and learn to kick harder before I leave. And yeah, drop drop the rightmost rack tom and put my ride there. So it's a little bit more comfortable for me and just play a four piece. And yeah, I remember in the past when that's happened, I've just, like really done fills off one tom because i'm so used to having three rack toms but this time i was able to move better between my snare and first tom and snare and floor tom to and even put in more kicks in between to kind of keep the performance interesting rather than just like the same boring fill every time so i don't know if that makes sense to anyone out there but Mm. yeah just try and get used to getting out of your comfort zone because i know so many guys especially in perth who are fucking anal about their kit um, But yeah, as soon as you get to that point where you're not playing in Perth anymore, pretty much say goodbye to ever using your kit except for in rehearsal. So don't get too cushy and always be prepared to be uncomfortable. Uh,
1: yeah. <laughs> yes. uh, yeah. Also, that night, uh, that reminds me of, um, in terms of eating and drinking, uh, we weren't really getting much of a rider happening at any of these shows. It's like they think that, Musicians shouldn't be drinking alcohol or something, but (laughs) um, we were finding that it. Well, every 50 meters in Japan, there's a convenience store of some sort, pretty much. So walk out of the venue, turn whatever way you want, go to some 7-Eleven or something and um, buy a beer for $2 and crack it in the street and walk back to the venue and take all your booze straight into the venue. And you might not actually be allowed to do it, but no one would ever tell you off for it. Um, yeah, so we were doing Sakis. that and, and going out and buying, just getting food from the convenience stores, which by the way is pretty fucking amazing and all really, really cheap. So yeah, Ash was getting bottles of Saki's for five bucks or those little bottles of oh, vodka bucks. for five one bucks, bucks less, dude. One buck. Yeah, there you I go. I was <laughs> <laughs> uh, and they got, yeah, really strong, like girl mixer drinks for a couple of bucks if that. And, uh, and
0: yeah, like. Fucking... And strong means 10% by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm banned from those. Yeah, it was. it's pretty ludicrous how cheap booze is over there. Yeah. And again, to bring up that Nico whiskey, um, there's like the cheapest strain of Nico, which would probably cost 50, 60 bucks a bottle in Australia for a half bottle was $4.50 <laughs> in any bloody convenience store, yeah. every 300 meters. Yeah. And so, yeah, you just get, buy one of them for 4 50 you a buy cup a of cup ice. of ice for $1.00. And you buy, yeah, whatever your mixer of choice is and then, yeah, just pour half half of the half bottle in, half half of a bottle of Coke, carry around a little placky bag, <laughs> drink that. And, yeah, for, you know, for sort of $8, you're drinking half a bottle of whiskey and you don't even have to worry about it. Cheaper than getting one beer in Australia. So even, yeah, halfway through the show, like if you need some
1: drinks or whatever, don't blow all your money at the bar or wait for them to bring you some rider drinks. Just nip out of the venue for 10 minutes Stock up on heaps of booze and snacks. Spend all of $10 and you'll be set for the night. Bring mm. it back in. You're good to go.
0: Yeah, and save your monies. Save your monies. Many, many monies. Save your yen. <clears throat> for when you're actually trying to get a good drink. Like a, um, a good drink. What am I talking about? Good meal. Mm. So when you go to this or you can eat mm. bars or when you go to a nice sushi or ramen place, like spend money on quality food and, and don't fuck around while you're gigging, mm. and just get Seven Eleven food, totally. which, by the way, is like, you know, uh, tuna, chicken, or salmon sushi,
1: or um, even the sandwiches are really fucking good, and they're like a buck, and they cut the crusts off. be mm. funny.
0: Yeah, and they taste like sandwiches, not like service station sandwiches. It's yeah, it's mm. well, it's they got those cool.
1: um chicken sticks and like hot food at the counter, which Bloody is a buck chicken or two. Really good. Uh, chicken karaji, Konnichiwa. Anyway. All Tokyo. right, then uh, Tokyo, yeah, at uh, Cyclone Shibuya, we played there once before, a so pretty mm-hmm. cool venue. Uh, sort of down a whole heap of stairs into, uh, yeah, basement, basement town, and uh, only kind of smallish looking in there, but they cram a good few hundred people in, and it was pretty cranking. Mm. Had a wicked night. Uh, went well. It went well. <laughs> Sold plenty of merch and shit. Actually, tour tip number one hundred and forty-five. When you go to Japan, take small-sized merchandise. Uh, all of Asia, probably, a lot of small sizes. So we just sold out of all our small shit in the first couple of nights and then really only had, like, XLs and stuff left and no one can fit into that over there or well, they don't buy it unless they're a sumo wrestler who they don't seem to be into metal from what I saw. Uh, so, small merch. And what we sold the most of this trip was baseball shirts. I think baseball is pretty big over there, so they seem to... Mm. Seem to f- Flourish, those ones. Look into that. And, um, yeah, all our CDs and shit were all pretty cheap. So, uh, people were, yeah, if you can make prices as cheap as you can, they
0: will fly out the door. Uh, Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, That's so all. Japan as a whole, pretty good, pretty scenic. We had a few days off after, explored Tokyo, walked around. Mm-hmm. My advice is definitely Google. Talk to people that you know have been before and had good experiences and, Expect to stay in your local area, especially if you've got music gear and stuff to worry about. So, but you know, it's amazing what you can find in this like labyrinthine streets and food bars, or you can eat sex shops, fucking everything, and or you can come on blowjob bars, yeah, everything robot restaurants, everything that a that a man, woman, or indeed a horse would want. Mm. So
1: bunch of metal bars around as well we went to one cool place where they have a menu of all the songs you can choose and then so you put your order in at the bar and then they just turn around and there's shelves of CD
0: racks and they'll find the CD that you've asked for poison and plenty (laughs) of old cradle of feel (laughs) lots of cryptopsy yeah pretty good Um, fun after like a big night out just to be with a few mates and listening to tunes it's pretty sweet
1: so wicked trip bands out there looking to go into Japan you'll have a blast
0: For sure. Don't pay money to go. Uh, Fast forward to Mm. like a week or so later, Mm -hmm. we're getting up at the same time of morning, three o'clock, and getting to the Domestos airport again. I don't even remember. This time with Owen Kent Thomas in tow as our fill-in bass player, also with our current bass player, Jim, who wasn't actually expected on the tour, but plans changed and he was able to come along so we had like double duties going on really great to have those two dickheads on board for a tour over east we did sydney melbourne and geelong um yeah and what can i say about that that was just fucking ridiculous fun i can't even I, that was one of the best tours i've ever done yeah having owen in tow can't go
1: wrong with that uh yeah <laughs> uh yeah bloody good one um So yeah, we played a run of shows with a band called Hybrid Nightmares, who helped us out getting uh, a show on a cruise ship in Melbourne, Hell on the Bay, which was awesome fun. Um, Friday night, we played in Sydney with those guys and a bunch of others as well, Rise of Avernus, Damon, Pierre, and uh, it was about six bands. It was really good. Good lineup anyway. The turnout was probably questionable as far as Sydney on a Friday night goes. Uh, so I don't know what the local scene like is like over there at the moment. Um, but we still had a good time. hanging out with Razor Ray. Oh, yeah. And Aaron, which was always going to be good fun. Uh, actually, I owe Razor Ray a book that I borrowed off him. A very funny one. Oh, which Ash has. I didn't yeah, get off I should read the whole thing. Mm. A few times.
0: Yeah, I watched a lot of um, Master Gravity videos. Oh, yeah. And all that caught up with uh, one Patrick who put us up for the Mm. evening as well, which is quite good. But yeah, pretty stellar night regardless. And uh, yeah, bumped into the old Cosmic Psychos accidentally down at the kebab shop, which was pretty funny because we've recently been listening to a lot of them. And yeah, spotting them was pretty strange. Had a bit of a chat about them. Asked about the um, ABS breaking situation in Rodeo Utes. And that's about (laughs) it. Then uh, yeah, buggered off to Melbourne. Reasonable hour of the afternoon, one two short flight.
1: Stayed at a backpackers in mean, the CBD and was only five minutes drive, pretty much to where the uh, the cruise left from. Uh, that, that was just like day. a river cruise, four or five hours or something on the uh, on the river. That was fucking fun. Four bands, it was fucking awesome,
0: eh? Mm. I would like to go there again and not play. Yeah, and the other thing about that was. Hey, uh, Nagoya, probably the best vibe mm. and my favourite performance for us, same. Hell on the Bay, wicked cranking yeah. vibe and good just makes it play better. Surprising. Yeah, something yeah. about the vibe which mm. uh,
1: does amp you up a bit. Um, but it was funny, like I was trying to watch some of the other bands and you just cannot even see the roofs that low and um, it's, everyone's so cramped in you can't really get to the front of the stage. So when you're playing, you're looking out, you can pretty much only see the front row. Um, but then when there's people sort of crowd surfing and stuff while well, trying to, at least it just looks pretty brutal out in the mm. crowd and people are laughing and yeah. Good. Yeah. Good times.
0: Got uh Rigel out there. Mm. Brew. Yeah. That bro. was pretty sweet. And uh, a few other sick dicks. Anwar Risk. Who else did we, who else popped up? Chris Hancock. Yeah, ben Craig. Ben Craig. Yeah, of course. And Hazy Night again. Another drunk one. <laughs> Uh, but, yeah, that was that was actually pretty awesome. Then the next day, trekked down to the Cattery in Geelong. <laughs> uh, did not see Gary Ablett or Gary oh, Hocking, yeah. for that matter, but did go looking. Um, mm-hmm. It was Father's Day. A few phone calls. Bought a bottle of whiskey, mm. Cabba.
1: Oh, what a story. Well, not even a story, but leaving our hostel in the morning to drive to Geelong. And as we're out, going to pack the van, a guy, maybe... 16 to 17 years old, comes up to us, hey guys, do you want to buy a straight bottle? Like, What's a straight bottle? Like a straight bottle, man, it's gone cheap. Like, what is that? And he's freaking out a bit, he's like, straight bottle of spirits, I've got spirits here. Like, what What are you talking about? I've got a bottle of whiskey, do you want to buy it off me? For $20, it normally goes for $55. Like, righto, what are you talking about, mate? And after a yeah, five minute discussion of what the fuck he's on about, we see that he's got this bottle of wild turkey hidden down his pants. And we're like, did you steal that? No, nah, man, my mate got it for me, but I don't want it. 20 bucks, 20 bucks. We're like, tell us you stole it and we'll buy it off you. I didn't steal it, I didn't steal it. Like, All right, we'll buy it. So I bought that, $20, and drank pretty much the entire thing on the drive to Geelong. Yeah. So we are pretty wily by the time we got there already. Yeah. Parked next to Fag's Mitre 10. Yeah, that is
0: a funny name for a minor 10. Anyway, parked outside of Fags, Mm. getting really super drunk, went in a questionable crowd at Geelong for a venue that Mudhoney has played at before. 14 Um, payers, I believe. Yeah. One of our less flattering efforts. Yeah, and just... By that stage sort of like sobering up as we're playing and just everyone can't be asked. But still we've had fun regardless. Some good bands playing, I'm surprised it didn't pull a few more people. Very yeah. Interesting stuff. Yeah, it was interesting. But yeah, not a not a a downer or anything like that, but just after our kick ass the old hell on the bay was, it was yeah, just a bit less pumping. <laughs> but uh yeah, still had fun anyway. And then after same thing. Um Got fucking got some McDonald's. <laughs> drove back to Melbourne. I drove. And that was interesting. If and anyone then, hears about the
1: Barwon Club in Geelong missing some Kransky yeah. sausages, don't look at us.
0: Yeah. And anyway, so next morning had some Kranski for breakfast and bailed back to the airport and back to reality. Yeah. Whoop, there goes gravity and here, here we are. are.
1: Master Gravity. I had a pretty bad cold going on, pretty much got it at the end of Japan and then felt like shit the entire weekend of uh, over east, struggled through but pretty excited to not be playing any more gigs for the rest of the year, really need a refuel and um, yeah, but pumped to get back into it next year, hardcore and yeah, looking forward to the future. There's going to be some cool shit happening, new album on its way. We're going to be knuckling down, doing lots of writing and uh, planning out the recording and everything. Luckily, we've got the brains of Ashley Large on the drum kit, who knows a lot about audio. And he's going to record the fuck out of our album. It's going to be really good. Hopefully, the songs are (laughs) worth recording. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's looking good so far. Uh, It's going to be a busy few months behind the scenes. But we will uh, be tuning into the Blodgecast very regularly to keep you guys informed.
0: Yeah, I guess um, just to touch on that slightly, we'll probably talk about it more as we progress. But I'd say at the moment, probably, let's say four songs in. Four skins in. And uh, yeah, I think the plan this time around, after a bit of a yarn about everything, we're going to, as Claim of Throne likes to do, book a band meeting and actually talk a bit more extensively about it. But yeah, we're going to again take on the project ourselves. Recording-wise, this time we hope to mix it and possibly master it. Depends what comes out at the meeting. But the idea is that last time, the whole reason we started this podcast was to document the last album. We did like two episodes and didn't talk for about three months while we did the album. This time, (coughs) we learnt a lot from that experience and I think we'll be a bit more relaxed and probably can squeeze some podges in throughout. Um, And the idea is... What was lacking last time was really just vibe. We were just concerned about getting the actual music down but we didn't really have a plan for how it was going to sound and we kind of left that up to one Al Smith from Begurk to essentially create the sounds on the album after um, based on our sort of, you know, DI guitar and bass tracking and our very just dry and raw approach to capturing audio. So yeah, this time we're actually aiming for sounds before the fact. So then mixing is more of a, a massaging process and just getting things to balance rather than actually like hunting the stars, trying to, trying to find something, um, or create something in the mix process. So yeah, we're gonna, we're doing that by having updated a bunch of our gear, not nothing too extensive, but slightly expensive. Um, <laughs> I guess it was cool with
1: um I mean last time being the first time that we'd recorded ourselves to an extent and building up some of the recording gear that we did. We'll use some of that again this time.
0: Yeah, some of it. We we noticed last mm, time yeah. that uh yeah. We bought a whole heap of shit and then actually ended up pretty much just using one DI, one mic and one mic pre. This time, like literally as we handed off the the final sort of edits to Al for mixing, um, I started going, okay, well, this was useless. This didn't sound like we want it to sound. This didn't quite work out logistically for us. Pretty much sold all of that shit. Fortunately, I sourced a lot of it from overseas and the exchange rate got worse. So we actually got pretty good secondhand prices for it. I was pretty happy with, and then was able to um, basically trade it over for some more, useful gear, basically replic- uh, replicating the things that did work and just making them a bit more high quality and better. We'll get a gear list out to you nerds some other time. <laughs> but yeah, at this stage, um, yeah, we're looking to do drums at a good studio, utilizing a good room. Everything else we'll do at home. We'll probably split it between Cabra and Dicey's for a lot of the um, guitar, and bass tracking, I'd say. And then, the rest of it probably at my house, which has a, f- a bit more of an open space thing going on. So, anything that's dry and stuff would be at Cabba's house. Anything that needs a little bit of vibe might be done at my house, which has high ceilings and big rooms. And, yeah, we'll sort of see how we go and we'll we'll update it. And I suppose we plan to be pretty transparent on this one with how we go about the process as we did last time.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And, yeah
1: going to be good uh, in terms of writing, I guess we're doing uh, our thing which been, been has been working so far where we're sort of laying down ideas, which we've been doing the last few months um, ourselves a bit, sort of just recording demos and riffs and crap at home. Uh, then a few of us might catch up for little twosome jams that sort of thing, and then it will be a bit of emailing back and forth or uploading um, demo tracks to the Dropbox and getting feedback from people and then sort of editing them or, or mucking around, but still also go to the rehearsal studio every single week without fail, unless we're in Japan, and forget to cancel it at short notice and then have to pay a cancellation fee. Sorry, Rob. Sorry, Rob. Uh, <coughs> 100 plus jams at the Hen House, check the board. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so that way it's, it's been pretty cool. So during the week we sort of work by ourselves and try and come up with things and improve songs and get ideas and write lyrics and all that shit and then uh, email it around so that by the next jam where we all get together, we're sort of all on top of it. We can practice um, playing the songs, muck around the structures a bit if we need to, um, you know, figure out things. Seems to be
0: going pretty cool. I'm enjoying myself. Yeah, me too. And I'd say out of the... Probably written eight or nine songs collectively and probably approved three or four at this point. That mm-hmm. from then on, see, on Fortune Flame, we had so much material and we were also living together, so we didn't think we needed to jam as much, which mm-hmm. is a very dumb idea, kids. To a tip number four. And this time, because we're all a little bit more separated from each other, we're kind of happy to be in our own worlds for a bit. And then, yeah, it's pretty fresh when we're showing each other stuff and everyone then gets. Ideas for each other's songs. So we're utilising, yeah, regular booking at the Hen House Rehearsal Studios, in fucking in Muslim Park. Uh, yeah Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, yeah, basically, we're hoping to work more on the arrangements by jamming them as opposed to last time where we were sort of set with our pre-production, got demo-itis, as it were, and wanted everything to be like we'd already tracked, whereas this time... Learning songs as we're recording the album. Yeah, so big, big mistake. That was a... That's... Yeah, that was a fucking shit That's tour tip number four right there. Yeah. So this time, it would it will definitely be different. Different outlook. Good experience. It was cool last time. There were so many things that kind of went wrong with the recording process, like so many fucking things. But the product still ended up, you know, pretty fucking well, yeah. considering as our first effort. Now we've all learned so much about all aspects of it by taking on such a hands-on approach last time that, that this time from the outset, like, you know, we're thinking way more about um, what the product's going to come out like if if we're doing it ourselves, so, yeah. Yeah, and the other thing I guess we'll um, be doing over
1: the, for the remainder of the year is trying to work out what we'll be doing to release the album in terms of getting record labels and distro and booking agents and you know whether there'll be album launch tours and all that sort of shit. So we'll probably be touching on that over the next few months. If you've got any ideas or suggestions, head to claimthethrone.net, hover over the right-hand side of the screen and leave a voice message. We'll play it on the show and discuss it and you never know, your ideas might save our careers.
0: Yeah, beautiful. Like that one.
1: All um, right. Yeah, that's <coughs> about it. Um, But well, yeah, we do have plenty more... On the Horizons uh, as well, if there's people out there that are good at album artwork or merch designs or websites or full-on IT nerds, get in touch with us. Now is the time. We may have some work for you. Hit us up at info at claimthethrone.com. Flick us an email. you can find us at facebook.com slash claimthethrone or on Twitter, ctt underscore au. And you can find links to Ash and Cabba's personal Twitters there as well. We'll hashtag the fuck out of you.
0: Uh, so finally, a very brief album of the week, Ooh. Cabba. I think I know yours already, but what's yours, buddy? Probably know
1: yours as well. Might be the same. Well, I've been listening to the new Ahab. Gotta say, it did come in the mail last week, and I've been cranking that cunt, The Boats of the Glen Carrig.
0: Amazing doom metal, uh, Death Doom. Really fucking good. I have been waiting for its <laughs> delivery before I uh-huh. listened to it. Have had a few listens to the. Um, I can't even remember what it's called. Whatever the single with the video clip the one, was. The foam one. Yeah, the the foam one. <laughs> Pretty cool. Something a bit different for Ahab. Yeah. I'm a big fan of those guys. So, hanging out. My album of the week actually is a podcast, which I only found today. And yeah, just in my travels today, I've listened to a few episodes already. Um, I've been searching recently. Don't ask me why. I'm why? I'm flying so high. Something about the funk, Third Eye or something. Red Hot Chili Peppers. All right. Um, listening to some Joe Barisi interviews, the guy who produced uh, Tool, Queens of the Stone Age, fucking Soundgarden, a few other bits and pieces. And yeah, listen to an awesome interview from him by AT, Audio Technica microphones company, Mm -hmm. interviewed him at AES or something. Wicked interview. I suggest you find it and listen to it. In fact, the Audio Technica channel on YouTube has like some really wicked innovative um, ways of selling the microphones by doing like basically how to mic up, you know, a drum kit, a guitar amp, but also shit like mandolins, dual vocals. And they're kind of weird, lame videos, but they're actually pretty interesting. Anyway. So on a bit of a Joe Barisi kick, found this new podcast with him being interviewed on it with all these other dudes, Andrew Sheps, Michael Beinhorn, fucking who else? I don't have an me. Other bunch of other cool dudes. Anyway, And yeah, there's like 30, 40 episodes or something like that of it. And they all go for like an hour and they're with like current working producers and engineers and musicians in, you know, the kind of successful arena. And unlike the other big podcast out there, Pensado's Place, instead of having 15 minutes of trying to like thank fans... And like, this is what we're doing and this is, I love that podcast, but I skip the first 15 minutes because it's so boring and they're all about selling mm-hmm. their sponsors and stuff and it really pisses me off. And they're, they're a bit wanky. This this working class audio, check it out. The guy's pretty much, you know, maybe like a few minutes of shit at the start and then he just talks one-on-one with the person and asks them what I think are pretty interesting questions, less about, so what microphone do you like to put on your ballsack? It's just more about their approaches <laughs> to doing things and what they think important things are. And interestingly enough, for even Cabba, they even in this Joe Barisi one ask him about does he have things like public liability insurance and things like that in running yeah, a right. studio. So kind of businessy as well. But but yeah, more sort of talking around audio and people's methods. So pretty cool. So for a long winded fucking spiel. Oh man, I'll check that out this week. See, I got to sell pretty hard to Cabba on uh, these things. Yeah. Uh yeah. Yeah, I'm sold. <clears throat> Good.
1: Um yeah, cool man. Thanks for your album of the week. Mhm. Song of the week. Let's not play a song, but maybe um just Jacopo from Dark Lunacy talking
0: Italian again. We could or how about I leave you with the sounds of <laughs> walking out of a place and I go that is the most fucking <laughs> intense place I've ever been to and then Jim walks out 2 seconds later and goes that is the most exciting place I've ever been to. <laughs> and that place is. We called, don't know what it is. Fuck. It's called Pachinko. Oh. And it's a Japanese pinball, which is actually their roundabout way of gambling, where you use all these little balls and they trickle through a forest of pegs to <laughs> fall in a thing. And they've got video screens and you do challenges. And basically, each ball is worth like a certain number of yen. And people have fucking thousands of these ball bearings. It's really crazy. Hard to explain. Google Pachinko. And this is the fucking catastrophic sound of Pachinko. Sayonara.